and welcome to the Perfect Gentleman podcast. This is episode 68. I am Zach Faulkner-Barfield, 1PG, and alongside me, as always, is the delightful, the dapper, the charming, the handsome, and the humble, Mr. James Marwood. How are you, sir? I'm very well, thank you, Zach. I don't think I'll stay humble for long as you keep doing that, but uh, yes, I'm good. I'm good. I've had a great week. Oh, that's very good. I'm very glad to hear that. I like doing those intros. I try to think of more and more adjectives to describe you with. Well, there's probably a few that other people would choose, but yours are always nice. That is the way of this podcast so we're back we're back to our normal format so to speak 20 minutes of gentlemanliness a week yes let's crack on sir what items in the news has tickled your fancy as they say are you a football fan zach i i'm not no i i have to say i'm one of the very few british people who are not football fans but you know who Cristiano Ronaldo is? I do, the Portuguese footballer and just signed to, I think it was uh, Juventus for a, a large amount of money recently. That's right, yes, £88 million, which is a, an insane amount of money. But apparently, he's a lovely chap, according to uh, an, an article in The Sun. Emre Khan, who is one of Ronaldo's teammates at Juve, is been talking about how he's just a really nice guy. Very calm, feet on his ground, not uh, a, star- a starstruck diva or anything lots of hellos and thank yous with coaches masseurs drivers etc so yeah i think that's that's quite nice someone else praising your your manners is very good i'm not sure of football fat behavior on the field but obviously off the field he is a good mannered young man perhaps you hear a lot of stories of footballers being idiots and getting drunk on throwing their weight and the money around a bit but he seems to be uh, he seems to be a good guy so hats off to him absolutely you said you had a, a story about his his manners there's a thing about i read a little while ago a fan who didn't speak portuguese he was at a QA and he was trying to speak portuguese to ronaldo the other fans who were there were taking the mickey out of him and laughing at him and ronaldo stopped them and he's trying he's trying to to show respect by speaking to me in portuguese leave him alone which i thought was quite nice he was prepared to Give a little gentle lesson to some of his fans as well. I like that. I appreciate his manners and his kindness to others. Indeed. A gentlemanly nod to Mr. Cristiano Ronaldo. Yes, indeed. And uh, what have you been looking at in the news then, Zach? Something that's caught my eye, and it's kind of relevant in today's society, but it's just something I thought was highly amusing, is Emily Post, which is kind of the epitome of etiquette in the United States, kind of Debrett's outside the UK. They're the Emily Post Institute, which is kind of the doyen of... Uh, manners and etiquette in America, has written and also talked about on their podcast about the etiquette of cannabis use. Okay. I don't know what you think about it. I mean, I think the interesting thing is they talked about it and they gave guidance for cannabis etiquette. It is legal in some parts of the US. It is. And very common in many places. I must admit, I'm not a fan. I really, really dislike the smell. But the guidance is actually quite interesting. She talks about if somebody lights up in your home, maybe you don't want someone smoking in your home. And if it is illegal, then that's potentially a problem for you. So she should, the host should say she's sorry, but no. And then do something else to distract them which I think is a good idea. One thing that's not mentioned in there, which I rather like, or would like to see more people paying attention to, is the smell and how it travels, because it's a really pungent, strong smell. And I don't know if it's because I'm an ex-smoker and therefore it's a bit like the smell of cigarettes or if it's something else, but I find the smell quite unpleasant. And so when somebody's smoking in their car or in the street or something like that, it's just a really unpleasant stick. If you're stuck next to someone on the tube who stinks of stale weed smoke, it's not nice. So if you are a smoker, then that's something to be mindful of. Yes, I would agree with that. I think it's kind of 
like myself being a cigar smoker, I don't want to blow it in people's faces. I tend to be respectful of it. It's not as quite as pungent as a cannabis marijuana, but um, it is quite pungent. And I also, you know, I make sure that I spray my clothes after I've worn it and hung them out to air so they don't, you know, so it's not that good, that stale smell of cigars. So I think you're right. I think it's, the smell is quite spectacular. There's always that whiff as you walk past someone who might be smoking out of the balcony or something and you catch that whiff. You know, this is where etiquette adapts to situations and the culture. This is my talked about etiquette and manners many times before, but this etiquette is this ongoing thing. I mean, manners are universal and manners are the core behavior, but etiquette is the thing where it happens culturally, but also as the world evolved, we wouldn't be writing about cannabis etiquette 30 years ago and now we are which i think is quite interesting in how the world changes it's not massively different to the rules around cigarette smoke or the rules around as you mentioned cigar smoke it's just really about being mindful of other people and other people might not enjoy your hobby so try not to inflict it on them absolutely but i do admire emily posts and institute for highlighting this interesting new attitude to cannabis smoking they always have good articles so if you're not a subscriber it's worth checking out It comes from an American perspective, which is sometimes different to a British perspective, but only very slightly so. But there's always good advice in there. And also they have a podcast. Shout out to them. They have the Awesome Etiquette podcast. Always quite interesting, again, from an American's perspective, but a good listen. It is. Uh, It's April. Well, yesterday was um, April Fool's Day. Yes. The lovely tradition of conning your fellows with some kind of wry tale or amusement to baffle them and make them believe strangeness. I think my favourite one is the spaghetti trees from the BBC in the late 70s, early 80s or something. Yes, I remember that one. I always remember, um, I think it was the Sun newspaper used to do really good ones in their sports pages. And one that caught on for quite a while and that uh, we managed to persuade a, a few friends of mine of at, at university was that uh, goalkeepers were getting in trouble for cheating for having stupidly large gloves. So gloves that were like sort of four feet across to help them <laughs> help them catch the balls and stop the balls. Then <laughs> there was, uh, I mean, sadly, some of these with sites like The Onion, you're sort of getting it every day now. But uh, I do enjoy them, especially when someone's being a bit silly, because it's good to laugh. It is good to laugh. I think that's the one thing that we need to talk about, I think. Have you done any, by the way, April Fool's? Not this year. I've done some in the past. I've done little ones like persuading the Duchess that she's completely slept in by getting out of bed extra early, getting dressed. And then I went outside the house very quietly, then came back up the stairs noisily, opened the door. It was like, why are you still in bed? I've been at work all day. Have you been in bed all day at six o'clock in the morning? Then she fell for. I found a lot funnier than she did. I I do occasional ones with people, but very rarely, very rarely indeed. But the one thing we need to talk about, you know, for the gentleman mindset is is the power of laughter and how important laughter is. I think we underestimate the greatness of a good old fashion giggle or a laugh or a belly laugh or just watching something that's funny it's interesting this is something that i've found with my own problems with depression and anxiety they're very minor now you know i mean i've learned how to manage it and things like that but one of the things i found is that if i can feel myself beginning to slip a little bit and my mind's not behaving as it should do then i'll just do something like watch a comedy show especially youtube now has loads of really really funny clips of comedians you spend 20 minutes half an hour doing that often i'll just pop it on while i do something else and then just with those little sort of giggles and laughs that you get from watching something like would i lie to you for example which is a bbc show or nine and a half cats does countdown which is a channel four show which i 
I don't watch it when it's on live because it's on quite late and I'm normally uh, I'm not normally in bed by then. But the clips of it, and it's a bit risky. It's maybe not great if you're with children, but it's really, really funny. So I'll watch that. I'll invariably end up laughing. And 20 minutes later, it's hard to remember what it was I was feeling so down about. You know, I'm relaxed. Laughter releases endorphins. That makes you feel better. It has all sorts of health benefits, apparently, like boosting the immune system and burning calories, or probably not huge amounts, but some, and um, getting your blood flowing, things like that. I love spending just 20 minutes, half an hour, watching someone be really, really funny. It just sets me up for the rest of the day. You're so right. I'm just watching something on, on YouTube, especially, as you say, there's loads of clips of stand-up comedians now on YouTube, which is a great marketing tool. And if you have Netflix or Amazon Prime, there's a number of stand-up shows that you can watch, as well as just comedy shows themselves. Having a laugh. I, I mean, not just watching comedy, but having a laugh, joking with your friends, being able to laugh with others, but also at yourself occasionally. That is very important. Is fundamental to good mental health. And laughter is such, as you say, biochemical thing. But it's also, I love it because it's contagious. You start laughing, somebody else will start laughing, and everyone starts feeling that little bit happier. And that makes everyone feel good. As you say, if you're starting to feel a little bit down in any way, shape or form, just that great laughter is just so fantastic for you. Here's an example from earlier today. I'm not the best at DIY. I can sort of get by, but I'm not great at it. And so I'll because of the lighter mornings, the Duchess decided she'd like a blind in the bedroom to have it a bit darker in the morning. So I, no problem. I can sort that. I've done that job before. I had to trim the blind to fit and it took me three goals to get the size right because apparently I can't work a tape measure. I can do hugely complex things with computers and business and things like that, but a tape measure, a bit beyond me. You and me both, sir. DIY, not my thing. I can do it. I'm just a bit slow and it takes me a few goals to get it right. But And that could have been a bit stressy. You know, especially because two of us working together and if you're in a couple, that's often the time when you argue is when you're trying to get something done together. But instead, we ended up laughing and it ended up taking a good 10 minutes longer than it should have done because she was laughing at me and I was laughing at myself and my inability to measure 147 centimetres properly. Um, there's a lot to be said for being willing to not take yourself too seriously and have a laugh at your own expense you know it's not necessarily letting someone put you down but it's very hard for someone to put you down when you're laughing at yourself as well very true and the ability to laugh at oneself is so fundamentally good for you we should laugh more we should uh, maybe tell a perfect gentleman joke on occasion that would be highly amusing or maybe you can send us out there our lovely listeners some appropriate perfect gentleman jokes and maybe we'll find some jokes for next time that would be good i'm particularly a fan of good puns good puns are really good a challenge if someone wants to send us some really good puns I'd be all over that. Absolutely. And if you want to get in touch with us, please drop us a line at enquiries at theperfectgentleman.tv or you can contact us on all our social media channels. That's Facebook, uh, Twitter and Instagram where you'll find us lolling about doing various different Instagram-y, Facebook-y, Twitter-y things as we do on The Perfect Gentleman. Send us some puns, send us some jokes or if you have any other questions, comments or you want us to cover anything, please do drop us a line. Now, we haven't done any style for a while, James. No, and there was an article you sent to me that I thought was quite interesting. It's from GQ, who I have a love-hate relationship as, as regards to style. Sometimes they're excellent, sometimes they irritate me a little bit. But they talked about underwear. They did a guide to men's underwear. Pants for the British, 
uh, underwear for our Americans. I read this, it was quite interesting. What sort of underwear do you wear, Zach, if that's not too too forward a question? Well, I tend to wear boxer briefs. I find them more comfortable. I used to wear boxer shorts when I was a younger man, when there wasn't so much underwear choice. I've never been one to wear briefs. I don't find them very comfortable. But uh, a good sort of boxer brief is kind of my preferred choice. And yourself, sir? The same for me. Boxer briefs or sort of trunk hipsters, which are basically just like boxer briefs, but slightly shorter legs. I do have some very traditional old boxer shorts, my old man pants, as Paula calls them, which are very comfortable, but I think they work best with baggy trousers. For example, I've got a couple of suits that have quite heavily pleated trousers that have got quite a lot of room around the thighs. Boxers work well with that. Anything a little bit more fitted everything starts to get a bit caught up and rubby. So boxer briefs most of the time. What I was very surprised to see, because it's it's not something I'd normally look at, but apparently Armani sells what they call slim fit briefs. So do Zegna. And I would call them Y-fronts. Proper old school 70s Y-fronts. Yes, they are proper old school 70s Y-fronts. They don't look particularly good unless you're particularly fit. I mean, if you are, as we mentioned earlier, Christian Ronaldo or David Beckham have worn them in campaign, you know, advertising campaigns where you're fit and you're looking good, then then you could just about get away with them. I, I'm not sure many men can get away with little slim fit briefs. No, I mean, I know I certainly can't, and they're not the most comfortable. I do sometimes wear briefs if I'm wearing a box or a groin guard, if I'm training martial arts, just because it stops the straps rubbing. But that's about the only time, and certainly not if I was expecting to be seen out of my trousers. (laughs) Definitely. I think the interesting thing about underwear is that it's got to make you feel good, unless you're with someone, it's for you. And underwear is for you. I mean, I I think that you you should choose your underwear that fits you. It's more comfortable, A, that fits your clothing, but also something that's for you. It makes you feel good. As is frequently said with ladies in their underwear, it's not for uh, someone else to see, it's for you to feel good in. That's also true for men's underwear. I think, you know, you have to feel good in it. You have to feel comfortable. As well as all the sort of stylish dick and complimentary things that underwear does for your physique. As with almost all my clothes i tend to try and stick with natural fabric of any kind so generally wool silk cotton leather i don't wear leather underwear that often but certainly cotton you know i have a few pairs that have sort of technical fabric type stuff which are great for if you're at the gym or if it's a particularly hot day but they have a cotton base with a mix of something else in there anything that keeps you fresh and comfortable and feels good that way is good and generally speaking cotton linen etc good for the environment as well or at least less bad I would certainly recommend cotton boxer briefs as being the way forward. What we should do is one of our future podcasts on the blog is maybe do a product review of some underwear for our uh, our lovely listeners and our, our lovely readers out there. Perfect gentlemen. So if you have any um, brands that you want us to look at, please let us know. We'll pick half a dozen, I'm sure, between the two of us and, and choose a few that we will try out for you in the near future. Now, James, we're hop skipping our quick way into spring easter is just around the corner and the clocks have changed so spring is in the air as they say we need to sort of talk a little bit about spring clothes and and perhaps some spring colors it is getting to that time where i'll start to pack up my winter wardrobe and pop it away to storage and get out some of the things that i tend to wear more in spring so spring for me is generally about lighter brighter colors So it's things like bright yellows, bright oranges. Often I'll wear those colours mixed with a relatively dark base. 
So if I'm wearing, say, for example, a navy blue suit, I might wear a brighter yellow tie with a white or a just slightly off-white shirt. Orange is a great color. It doesn't always work hugely well for me because of my hair coloring. But for somebody with darker skin tones, orange is great. And also light blue, so light sky blues. I have a lovely light blue linen tie that I wear quite often as part of my spring-summer wardrobe. That sort of shade of color, I think, is really nice. It's the chance to mirror the brighter lights in the outside and the better sunshine and the fact that the flowers are coming out and those sorts of things. How about yourself, Zach? What do you pick for spring? Do you have anything that's a go-to? I tend to wear, as you well know, bright colours generally quite frequently. So it's more about changing the weight of what I wear. So I tend to start heading towards the lighter weight clothes and putting the flannels and the tweeds away and start putting on the lighter weight suits and fabrics. I'm always a big fan of pink. So I do like a good pink. I start to put a lot more pink in my wardrobe as spring approaches. I like the colors. Yellow, unfortunately for me, doesn't really suit me. So I tend to steer clear a little bit of yellow. I'll have a little yellow tie or something like that, but that's about the most yellow you'll see me wear. I do like a good orange. I'm a big, bold fan of the oranges. And uh, as you say, sky blue is a great base, especially for shirts, a great base color for a shirt that you can add many things to i'm a big fan of green as well so i don't wear enough of it i think generally men don't i if i was i was talking about this with one of my colleagues earlier this week green is a great color for many skin tones i like green and i've got relatively light hair and pale skin my colleague jamal he's afro-caribbean so he's got dark hair dark skin green works great for him as well I think for a lot of people, because in men's wardrobes, we tend to use blue as a base for a lot of things. And then there's that old thing about blue and green should never be seen. I think a lot of men don't wear green so much, but actually, if you get the right green, it'll go really well with the right blue. I have a a bright, bright lime green uh, pullover that I wear quite often in the spring. It's great because it's a light, thin cotton pullover over a, a cream shirt and with a pair of lighter grey trousers. I really like it. And sometimes I'll pair that with a dark blue tie, like a really, really dark navy tie with just a, a grey jacket or something like that. It just gives a nice base that the green can really pop off and really really shine and i think for most of us no matter what your skin tone and your coloring green works well i think we need to as men brighten up our wardrobes we tend to be a bit dull and bland you know when you talk about style everyone sort of fits into that one framework of navy suit and white shirt and then oh dear what do i do next as spring comes in we start thinking about colors and maybe get some more bolder colors out there for our american listeners you won't understand this but there's a lovely gentleman called michael portillo um, who is a ex-member of parliament here and he now is a very good tv host he does a lot of travelographies and he has some incredibly bold colorings on his trousers and jackets you know i admire him for it it doesn't always work for me and it doesn't always work for him but i do think he goes for it and the colors are fantastic that he chooses i mean clothing should be fun and especially in spring when we're getting out of those dark dreary days of winter and it's light after 6 p.m and things like that getting a little splash of color in your wardrobe is fantastic absolutely well I think uh, that's enough for for us for today. Maybe you should share with us online some of your spring colours, either on Facebook or Instagram. We'd always be happy to see them. Please do communicate with us. We're really happy to speak to you and listen to you and hear from you. So do drop us a line. James, uh, a pleasure as always to speak to you. And you, my friend. Have a great week, Zach. Look forward to speaking next week. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. This podcast is brought to you by the Perfect Gentleman Group Limited and was edited by Andy Nichol at the Pistachio Palace.